Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. I'm Ian, and this is Maggie, and on this episode, we are doing the 45th Best Picture winner, The Godfather. The Godfather is a 1972 crime film directed by Francis Ford Coppola, who also co-wrote the screenplay with Mario Puzo. It was based on Puzo's 1969 novel by the same name. It stars a lot of people, including... Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, James Caan, Robert Duvall, and Diane Keaton, to name a few. And it chronicles 10 years in the life of the Corleone crime family. That was 10 years? It was 10 years. It's supposed to be 1945 to 1955. Interesting. They don't really give you, like, they give you a sense, I would say, over the course of the film that time is passing. Like, we know time is passing, but, like, it's it's not clear exactly when it starts or when it ends. But I mean, honestly, that didn't bother me that much. It bothered me a little, but really only with that throwaway line that Michael says to Kay about, oh, I've been back a year. And I'm like, looking left and right and wondering where that year went. (laughs) Oh, see, by the time we hit that point, I was just like, "Eh, time's gonna skip and it's roughly linear and I got it. So I was I was kind of okay with a little bit more than nebulousness. That's that's not where I had issue with the film. (laughs) This actually had quite a few nominations, but it only won three of the Oscars it was nominated for. So Francis Ford Coppola was nominated for Best Director, but did not win. Marlon Brando won for Best Actor and became the second person to decline an Oscar. If people remember from our Patton episode, which was only like two years before this movie, George C. Scott was the first to decline. Um, Instead, Brando boycotted the Oscars and actually sent uh, Sashin Littlefeather, a American Indian rights activist. Um, and I'm using that terminology because that seems to be like what the organization was called from my reading. Um, who, like when his name was called to accept the award, went up and basically announced that he was declining the Oscar due to his objections with the treatment and depiction of Native Americans in film and television. Good for him. Yeah. There were three Best Supporting Actor nominations for James Caan, Al Pacino, and Robert Duvall, two of the three I agree with. None of them won. I just, I, sorry, like to, to, to like totally derail this for a half second, Vito Corleone is not the main character in my mind. Mine neither, which is actually why Al Pacino also boycotted the Oscars because he was mad he got nominated for Best Supporting Actor and not Best Actor. Damn, wrong reasons, but okay. <laughs> I mean, his, I think it's a little, I'm kind of like a little side eye, but like his, his reasoning was sound. I think he was actually like, I have more screen time than the character of Vito. Like Michael has more screen time. And I think I would agree in my mind, I would consider Michael supposedly the main character. Well, we'll talk about it. <laughs> It won for Best Adapted Screenplay. It was nominated for Best Costume Design, nominated for Best Film Editing, nominated for Best Sound. And actually, Nino Rota was originally nominated for Best Score, but it turns out he actually reworked um, a lot of the music, especially that like main theme, from a previous film he did in 1958, which therefore means that the score is not original for this movie. So they revoked his nomination. Oh, but it's still an iconic score, even if it's reworked. It's a great score. It's a great score. Um, this has a lot of uh, AFI 
things attached to it, American Film Institute. So it was originally ranked number three in AFI's top 100, but was moved to number two in the 10th anniversary list. Guess what movie they uh, moved it in front of? What? Casablanca, which in what world is this better than Casablanca? Casablanca even has a, I would say, argue even has a more lasting, stronger legacy to film because whether or not you enjoy The Godfather, you cannot deny the lasting impact it has had on film. Agreed. I wonder if uh, there's like this epic component to it that they just like. It's not that epic, though. It's just long. It has an epic (laughs) runtime. It is number 11 on AFI's top thrills, which eh, I didn't find it that thrilling, but that's just me. There are some particular scenes that I love. The problem is it is a three-hour movie, and it's not three hours worth of scenes I love. (laughs) That's fair. The line, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, was number two on AFI's top quotes. I will give it that 100%. It was also ranked AFI's number one gangster film. I mean, okay. I'll give it that for legacy. It's not my favorite, but I'll give it that for legacy. Other nominations from that year. Cabaret, Deliverance, The Immigrants, and Sounder. I have only seen one of those. And I have to say, because while up front, I am not like a super huge fan of The Godfather, I think it's fine. The one big gripe I have with it is I think the pacing's terrible because it's a three-hour film and you feel all four hours of that runtime. <laughs> I so, see what you did there. <laughs> yep. Um that's my big gripe with it, but like the rest of it, like it's fine. But I will say the only other nomination I have seen from that year is Deliverance, and I'm totally okay watching The Godfather and not having to watch Deliverance again. Yeah, I would I still need to watch Deliverance on like a happy sunny day after mm. the like yeah, I I don't fine. know when a good time to watch Deliverance is. It's rough. I want to see it. I need okay, to see it. Okay, just as long as you're fully aware it's not a comedy. Because the first time I watched it, I went in thinking it was a comedy. It's not, everybody. It's not. It's like the most opposite you can think of from a comedy. You know, I love you, but I feel like that is a you misconception, not a general film misconception. I hope not, because I hope that I'm the only one who has ever had to go through that rude awakening. Oh my goodness. But yeah, I'm just throwing it out there. So I just, I feel the need to clarify that for other people since I made that mistake, just just in case. Um, <laughs> any, any last comments you have before we jump into watch notes? I mean, no. Any shade you want to th- throw? I've already thrown some. Well, I just ended and I just kind of felt empty in a way that like there's feeling empty because you cared for a character and you're sad to have seen them go down a path that is cast in a very negative light and then there's empty because you're just sitting there thinking what was I supposed to get out of this and for me it's kind of more the latter I would agree I think I think there was kind of a lack of focus Um, so, you know, we already talked about it a little bit and apparently Al Pacino agrees with us that Michael Corleone is the main character really, Mm -hmm. but we spend a lot of time away from him. And I, I felt like if there had been more editing and then we could have spent more time early on with Michael getting an understanding of who he was 
before and who he wanted to be and who he thought he was because let's jump right into that kind of first segment with the wedding oh, scene yeah, for sure. where he is there with Kay, his current girlfriend who later becomes his wife, and he says, that's my family, it's not me. Like, that's great, Michael, but he never proves that to us. Like, I never see Michael really acting in a way that seems different from his family or really having seemed to separate himself from them in any meaningful way. And I think if we could have seen that and then see him slide into becoming the type of person he said he wasn't and the type of person he said he's not, and then, you know, having that juxtaposition at the end where he is the new godfather i Mm -hmm. think it would have been a lot more meaningful like that's i think that's a great story and i think if they had focused up on that it would have meant a lot more agreed and and that i mean even in the wedding scene talking about it more broadly i actually loved the way the film opened with the under I, i presume he was undertaker given his reappearance later asking for a favor from Don Corleone, Vito. Like, I thought the scene was well shot. I kind of liked that introductory view of the slight zooming out where you can finally then see him behind the desk talking to this guy as he goes over his story, which uh, this movie, like to say it up front, kind of like we talked about with The French Connection, you know, has a lot of casual racist asides lots of sexist comments by everybody Everybody. involved um and this was one of them where it was like there's a lot of like fridging of women in this film and i think this was one situation where this man's daughter actually wasn't killed but she might as well effectively they use violence against women in order to further male character development um and meanwhile there's like zero female character development so um, that is something we don't like to see. Yeah, yeah. Because they have their own stories like that are a part of this. Like they are affected by the action that happens and there's such oh, little focus. Absolutely, but nobody, nobody cares. Yeah, so I don't know where I was going with that opening scene. But anyway, I liked it. It set the groundwork well where it's like people are coming to ask him for favors. We get some nice folklore about like he is not going to, deny anybody a favor on his daughter's wedding day like all of this is adding up to some really interesting character development for him but we get like eight requests okay i'm I'm exaggerating but we needed one request the wedding sequence <laughs> is like 27 minutes i checked that because i was like when are we gonna leave this fucking wedding why is this going on so long and frankly i think because after the wedding there's then a series of like veto cashing in on those requests including the very Mm -hmm. iconic horse head in the guy's bed and i think they're there to just be like look how violent and mean and awful this guy is and like okay you could have showed me one i think i understood it after the first one like it was just Mm -hmm. that entire setup basically including the wedding and then that series of favors is like the first hour of the movie And then we get to what in my mind is the inciting incident. Mm -hmm. Like there's this idea in like movies and books and like storytelling in general that you always want to start in the middle of the action 
to bring people in and get them focused and invested. You don't want to start before the action because it's boring. And we started like an <laughs> hour before the action on this. And frankly, I was bored. So if I were to movie maintenance this a little bit, I think the one singer had that been the favor and we still got the scene with the Hollywood guy and the horse head, which again, iconic scene. I think that would have been enough of a hook for me, but it, we still had to slog through that entire wedding scene to get there. <laughs> and when I say like starting in the middle of the action, I don't mean you necessarily had to start right with the inciting incident, but I agree. Like we frankly didn't need any of the wedding sequence. The bit that I think we're supposed to get out of that is that like Michael doesn't want to be like his family, but like we could have been told that in other ways because there's a lot of tell and not show in this movie and mm -hmm. they never show us that he wants to be different from his family. They only tell us. So I'm like, you could have told it to me in another scene then. Like the wedding to me just isn't necessary. And I agree the opening's really cool the way it's shot, but like I also I don't need it. And I would have rather that time have been invested in like some actual character development for like our main character later on. Well, and to be clear, the opening scene I'm talking about is like the first three minutes of the film. <laughs> yeah. And then there's 24 more that I have to spend at that goddamn wedding. And then I have to spend like another 30 something watching multiple random acts of violence just yeah. to prove to me oh. that the guy I knew was a bad guy is a bad guy. Yeah. That. Yeah. Now, fun fact, you know, that cat that Marlon Brando was holding in the opening scene? Was it his cat? No, it was just a stray that Coppola found on the set. But apparently it purred so loudly they had to dub Brando. That's so funny. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It and it wasn't even the script. Cat. It just like happened. <laughs> um, anyway, get that character introduction. And then we start moving into some of the more meaty like mob type dealings. Well, we're also in this, I mean, in the wedding alone, but also in the subsequent scenes, we're introduced to a lot of characters, which yeah. I think a, several of them could have been collapsed into the same character or like could have been cut at all. Like Luca Brasi, we don't really need him at all. He dies super early in the film after having accomplished kind of nothing. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, Luca's his heavy. But then he dies really quickly and is, like, never he's a really relevant bad again. Heavy. Like, he's just never relevant again. Like, that's just, <laughs> you could have cut that entire character, and then that saves you time to do other things and explore what I think would have been more interesting, or to me, were more interesting mm -hmm. characters and more interesting parts of the film. Yeah, I think I, so in in that whole, just to like lay the groundwork, we have Solazzo, who is another basically drug baron. I think they call him the Turk because he has, I presume, poppy fields in Turkey. Where Which which we know where the heroin then went. It went to Marseille and then it went into <laughs> New York. French connection. French connection. <laughs> I know, we're in the 70s. So like almost everything is, has like, toxically masculine main characters who people call anti-heroes but i think are really just villains who are main characters and everything is also about drugs it is so this whole this whole thing is salazzo trying to get the corleone family on board to help basically run point with their own connections in government to make this operation happen um and so which Vito's not I, down with. He doesn't want to do. 
and this was really interesting. Like, again, I think this was a cool kind of twist on this character where it's like, I am a criminal, but I am very much a gentlemanly criminal and I'm like not going to do something that is that destructive. Yeah. And it would have been even more interesting if in the scenes that they told us that we hadn't had to hear every little bit of mundane dialogue about the deal going down. If they could have just like tightened that up a little bit. Would have been a lot more interesting and that would have added depth scene, to Vito's character. I, I didn't have a problem with that meeting scene. I was very but bored. But I think, well, I I would say that I think the scene by itself is not bad, but in the context, it's just like, it probably feels like it's piling on and piling on and piling on. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of just people sitting around talking, not really moving that much, like back to back to back. Like, I don't mind those scenes every now and then, especially if they're shot very well and I don't think those particular like those scenes are not the like standout cinematography of the movie there are some scenes that are really great cinematography wise the ones where they're just sitting around a table not really moving that much and talking like really in depth about some stuff did not it's not particularly engaging yeah now the reason that I bring this all up though is I I think you could make an argument that Brassi scene does serve a purpose in that Salazzo we're seeing him being you know conniving working on multiple fronts to basically take down Vito um so like you could make an argument and also that building was gorgeous and I love the scene of him in his like dark clothing walking down this beautiful art deco hallway anyway that's beside the point (laughs) no I agree that like it could so to me, it's like you have that scene and it serves a purpose if the movie is about Vito, in which case that scene comes later in the movie after we're like hitting a, the climax where he's going to get betrayed and all this is going to go down. But if Michael's the main character of our movie, we don't need that because that doesn't really have anything to do with Michael. Michael's not invested in that. I feel like this movie very weirdly straddles two different movies. Like, I feel like we have Vito's story, and I feel like we have Michael's story. And I feel like the Godfather, like the first one, is trying to straddle like halfway through Vito's story and Mm -hmm. like halfway through Michael's story. It's like, I kind of want them to pick one. Yeah, they could do it more in depth. Because I think you're right. I think like that, like it's not... It's not that that scene, like to me, I'm like, that's a useless scene, but it's only useless to me because I want the focus in a particular place. Right. Because I feel like that would be more interesting and more meaningful. But if I wanted the focus shifted on Vito, then like that scene becomes super, super crucial. But in which case Mm -hmm. I think it should be coming later in the story. So Eh, that's fair. But yeah, I, I, I do think it builds up Salazzo as kind of this, um, Big bad. Very, exactly. That is exactly it. And strategic about it as well. Because he also makes sure that Tom, their lawyer, is under his thumb, like in his custody at the same time that he actually guns down Vito or his lackeys do. Yeah. So I like taken together, I think it adds up to something <laughs> is what I'm right, trying to say. And on, honestly, I feel like you almost can just like, op- like if we're shifting this the way I would like to shift the movie, I feel like you can almost open with Tom getting kidnapped. Cause I, I kind of like liked the way that like that was shot and then leading into like mm-hmm. the um, Vito getting shot. 
but it's like you could almost just open with that and like I really don't need that much background info you can give that to me as we go and like I get the situation you know like yeah. I, I felt like I was I, I a lot of times the movie was trying to give me justification for why stuff was happening and to a certain extent I was like as long as I understand that like these people don't like these people and they have a, like a motive to go get them. Like, I don't need as much background detail, you know, like I, I felt a little over explained too, which I think made the movie drag some. Yeah, I could see that. I'm also curious how us seeing it 40 years, 50 years. I don't think it makes after a its release makes a difference. I don't think but... it does. I actually read a lot of stuff. Um, where people were like, well, in the 70s slash 80s, and I was like, dude, this was 72. The 80s had nothing to do with it. Also, that time period in like cinema is very different, um, early 70s <laughs> versus 80s. But they were like, it was, this would have been like so new and groundbreaking. From my understanding with what I read of like critics and stuff like that, it was mm -hmm. more groundbreaking in that it was like showing italian immigrants and they were saying with psychological depth and i was like some of them have psychological depth i was like some of these <laughs> characters are very one-dimensional um which then of course the popularity of this movie led to some very negative stereotyping later mm -hmm. as well but i just i don't know there's a lot of this movie and you know this isn't to say that every single movie has to be 100 percent unique all the time like absolutely not formulas exist for a reason but like i don't know like nothing about this seemed like revolutionary to me and i don't think it would have at the time either i definitely agree with the first point but i have no clue about the second <laughs> well because a lot of what i'm thinking about and i'm like oh this reminds me of this this, and this it's movies we've watched for this podcast that happen mm -hmm. earlier than this movie but the one scene that i think we both can 100 percent agree on that is fantastic is the hospital scene loved this scene i like, love so good everything about it i love the way it's shot al pacino gives us a little bit of emotion which is just what i wanted um <laughs> but you have it starts i, I want to start it like a little bit before that sequence where you have michael and Kay doing like christmas shopping mm -hmm. and Kay notices the newspaper which she then calls michael over to at the stand and it's basically a headline about Vito having been shot and it's like Bob boss dead question mm -hmm. mark. So we don't even know if he's dead. So Michael, of course, very worried. He goes and phones people. And then we've got some scenes with him talking to Sonny, who is the elder brother played by James Caan. I really like the character of Sonny. I think he's one of the more interesting characters for sure, but he's kind of telling Michael like, Oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. We have guards on him. Michael's insisting on going to visit. Mm hmm. Sonny doesn't really want him to because he's they're like, you know, people are kind of after him, but Michael's very insistent. And this is when he goes to this is where the thriller aspect comes in because he gets yes. to that hospital and he gets up onto that floor and it's deserted. Yeah, like creepy deserted. So well, creepy. And the scores coming in. Design too. It's very good. It's very good. They had that record just skipping in the main office. So it's like okay, why is nobody manning the front desk here? And so then you have the score coming in as Michael's like kind of walking down the hall. You can, he's like speeding up to the point where he ends up jogging down the hall and the way it's shot are mm -hmm. kind of like some fun angles, a lot of just Michael in silhouette and kind of creepy lighting. Love this bit so much. And then of course he gets to his father's room. Like the guards that are supposed to be there are not there. There's nobody around. That nurse comes in. 
and is basically like telling him that the police came Mm -hmm. and made everybody clear out because they were interfering with hospital like the running the hospital and that's where we get the clue in that there's some police corruption Mm -hmm. But I love the way that her interjection like releases a little bit of the tension, but then ratchets it back up to like 110%. Yeah, you're like, oh God, okay, it's just a nurse. And then you're like, oh my God, but she just confirmed that everybody's cleared out. Like, Right. I also love this nurse's commitment to the Hippocratic Oath, where he's like, somebody's going to kill him. Help me move him. And she's like, okay, good point. (laughs) She's not happy about it, though. She's kind of like, oh, fine. I mean, I get it, though. Yeah. But yeah, so they move him and then you've got the very tense bit where you can hear steps coming up the mm-hmm. hall and you see like Michael's face in the crack of the door. Yep. And it turns out that it's that coroner mm-hmm. and he's brought flowers. Which is just so nice. It was very nice. I was convinced he was going to get shot. Oh, same. I'm glad he didn't. I would have been really disappointed. But in that whole point, I really do want to like emphasize the sound editing here because even when they're moving uh veto to a different room all you're hearing is like the sound of the wheels squeaking and their feet on the the floor and, and it it's like feels insanely loud because yes. it's, it's that idea of like when you know that they're in trouble and like when when you're scared and you want to hide like that mm-hmm. just human instinct to just be as silent as possible and so like every squeak of the wheels makes you more nervous for them because you're like it's loud it sounds deafening like they're gonna they're gonna Mm -hmm. find you they kind of they kind of don't because michael is able to Mm -hmm. call his brother and like let him know that like no one's there so they're like we're going to come uh michael ends up getting the coroner out and as he's leaving the cops show up, the corrupt cops. Well, and this is after like a drive-by of the people that were supposed to shoot. <laughs> Which again, that tense scene, it's th- they build tension really well in this this part. Yeah, agreed. Tom saves him from the cops, though, with this wonderful legalese, which I just loved. <laughs> I love Tom. I wanted more Tom. I wanted the Tom and Sunny show, frankly. I would watch that show. They're my favorite characters. I wanted the Tom and Sunny show where Sonny struggles to live up to his father's expectations. Meanwhile, Tom feels like an outsider because he's part of the family, but he's not really part (laughs) of the family. And then you have Kay, who's over here trying to figure out what happened to her boyfriend who just fucking dropped off the face of the earth. All interesting spinoffs. Thank you. So anyway, that's the hospital scene. Such a great scene for for me. Michael gets uh, socked in the jaw. Oh, yeah, that's right. by By the cop. So yeah, it it it's really good. That that would be the scene I would recommend watching if you are short on time. And what I mean when I refer to this as the quote unquote inciting incident is, I think this is really what at least is supposed to kick off Michael's mm-hmm. character arc. He's theoretically supposed to go from this guy who wanted to distance himself from his family. He didn't want that violence in his life. It wasn't him to he you know his father's been shot he just lived through this like really tense situation Mm -hmm. he got punched in the face by the cop and now he wants revenge he does want revenge and that there's the scene where they're all discussing what to do about the fact that Vita was almost hit in the hospital and this is where I actually take a lot of issue with the kind of binary performance that I saw from 
Al Pacino in this film because before he was a little reticent, but immediately he just switches to dead eyes. He's not even reticent. He just tells well, us he doesn't want it. But I'm like, okay, prove it to me. But like, I don't believe him. He just like says that's not what he wants. But then he immediately goes into like, I'm ready to just kill two people in cold blood. One of whom's a cop. Yeah. And it's like clear he's in it. Which like they're telling him is like a bad idea because they're like, okay, well, no one really does that because you see, then it becomes like a huge legal issue. <laughs> They're, they're like, the city doesn't care when we kill one another, but they're going to care. But they also have this wonderful plan about like- when we start killing cops. Uh, info wars with the newspapers and making sure that the cop is smeared. Well, they're like, he's a corrupt cop. He got involved in bad stuff. Like, yeah, they're, they're showing kind of like the extent of mm-hmm. their reach. Um, and it kind of shows that like Michael's a little, a little bit of a schemer- who's willing to think several can and is willing to think several steps ahead in order to get his revenge, which we definitely see later in the movie. Um, But yeah, he goes to like, I'm ready to just murder two people really fast after insisting that that's not the life he wants. Yeah. I wanted to see, I wanted to also see a little bit more unsureness, like a little bit more insecurity about it. Yes. Any conflict, any internal. I will give it, you got a little bit. In this next scene, a like a skosh. If you blinked, you'd miss it. Yes. So moving into that scene, though, I, I loved the lead in and the way, again, it built this tension to touching off a conflagration here with the car ride with the corrupt police chief and Solazzo and how they like frisk him in the car. They take this trip to New Jersey and then do this really like French Connection-esque U-turn not subtle but apparently would lose people following them for some reason i don't anyway it's fine honestly though did we need that we didn't need as much of it <laughs> i didn't i didn't need the so initially when michael goes oh are we going to jersey my thought cuz i had i had seen this movie before but i like the details especially yeah. early on in the movie were like lost to me cuz it was several years ago my thought was like oh it's fucked up the plan because oh, their same. whole idea was like, well, they'll definitely frisk him. So we're going to need to insist. We should insist on like it being at like this place or like a public place. And then we hide the gun at the location. Mm-hmm. We're going to hide it in the bathroom. Michael will say he has to go to the bathroom. He can get the gun. He comes out. Guns blazing. So when he's like, oh, we're going to Jersey. My thought was like, oh, they swapped up the location. Like shit's going to go down, which would have been more interesting. But I would say that it does ratchet up the the like suspense there where you're like, oh God, what's going to happen? But then they immediately release it by going, doing that U-turn and going to the exact location that they said they were going to be at. I think that Al Pacino tried to keep it up with his steely stare at Salazzo at the table while the wine is being uncorked, but I, it just felt weird and not intimidating. He does that for most of the movie and, um... You're not a fan. It got old. <laughs> No, I I, I just, I wanted, I just wanted to see, I wanted to see more emotion and internal conflict in that character because I really did want to, I wanted to Mm -hmm. care. And like, obviously I knew like where his arc was going because like I'm familiar with the movie, but I was like, I I want to care about, like, I wanted to start with a really good character that I liked so that I could feel the loss Mm -hmm. when the movie ended and he had gone down this dark arc but i just i couldn't there is like a very brief bit of uncertainty when he's in the bathroom and he kind of seems like he can't find and the gun and that's the moment i was talking about 
there's that and then it's right before he leaves the bathroom he like takes a deep breath and like I wanted more of that kind of thing throughout like I just I didn't get a lot of I didn't get a lot yeah I agree with you like I can't really tell you actually that much about the character of Michael Corleone like I don't know him as a character I couldn't describe him as a person other than a facsimile of his father <laughs> yeah so any anyway he he does shoot them and that is what touches off the weirdest, seemingly most misplaced montage I've seen in a while. <laughs> like, I get that we needed to understand what was going on. That there was a there was like a, a mob war going on. Um, it is the slowest newspaper montage I have ever seen. <laughs> and initially I was like gonna make a joke and be like, oh, drink because of the newspaper montage, because we haven't gotten to do that in a while. Cause remember there was a while there where yep. we were like our drinking game is drink every time there's a newspaper montage. But I would have had to like waterfall half a bottle of wine. That thing was so slow. It yeah. And I mean, we got some scenes in the background of like mob turf wars, people getting shot. Like it it served a function, but it was just so slogging. But the whole point of the newspaper montage is that you get the really fast spin, headline, spin, headline, faded shot of like newspapers just going through a machine, spin, headline. And it happens really fast, so you don't have to have the scenes. <laughs> well. That's the point. <laughs> If you had directed Godfather, so many things would have been different. Um, anyway, <laughs> they would have is what it is. They would have been different. Whether or not they would have been better, I don't know. Yeah. Probably not because I didn't go to film school. <laughs> so anyway, I don't know how to work a camera. It's fine. You don't have to work the camera. You can just tell someone to work Perfect. the camera. <laughs> oh man, maybe I should have been a director then. I like telling people what to do. So the, the next uh, like chunk of film is a mix of two stories. So one is uh, Michael's sister having like a total. That's like a couple scenes though. Connie's conflict, like it doesn't. It's not a lot, and it's really just Connie being a punching bag. But played by the amazing Talia Shire, who I yes. love, and who we will get to see again when we do Rocky. The only reason I'm mentioning that is because of the like importance with Carlo, her husband, and how that comes into play later. But basically, he's a piece of yeah. shit. He mm -hmm. physically and I presume mentally abuses his wife. His And emotionally, yeah. Yes. Just all around. Um, and so of course And the only the only person who seems to give half a shit is Sonny. Because there is a scene very early on when they're at the dinner table and Connie says something and Carlo in front of her entire family tells her to shut up and Sonny Snaps. jumps in to like come to her defense and is like, hey, don't talk to my sister that way. And the mom is like, Sonny, don't get involved. This whole family is like, just don't ask questions. <laughs> this whole entire family is like, um, we don't give a shit what happens to the women and children. And uh, Connie, why are you complaining? Yeah. It's not good. It's terrible. Poor Connie. I was so glad man. to see Carlo just totally get his ass whipped, though. That was satisfying. I wanted Connie to get to do it, and she didn't. Yeah, that would have been better. 
Yeah. I just, I feel really bad for Connie. There is a long stretch of time where we also don't see Connie after like a really awful violent fight mm-hmm. with her husband where I was just like, hey, so can we check in on Connie? Yeah, make sure she, that she uh, is still I was like, around. I want to make sure she's okay. She was pregnant when we last saw her too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Let's just let's just check in with Connie, y'all. So that that's like that whole whole sequence. I mean, I do I do like it. Well, let me back up. I don't like the fact that they had to use a Connie is getting beaten storyline to develop Sunny. I think that that is well, lazy, especially when they do nothing with Con- yeah. like Connie doesn't get any development. Like if if this was more centered or like if we if this whole movie was about like Connie and Sunny's relationship and like their struggles within the family mm-hmm. then like I'm willing to give more of a pass but it's not at all like she is 100% used as a plot device and to further like male character development yeah and that's how you use that term correctly I almost called so her a plot device know. so I'm so glad you did first <laughs> <laughs> she is she is she doesn't undergo any real change of her own and she's basically just given a lot of scenes to just like scream in yeah so anyway that which is a shame it is a because massive Talia shame. Shire, while she's great at yelling and throwing vases around and breaking plates she's also just phenomenal at not screaming acting and i wanted to give her more well you will get more soon <laughs> i will it's gonna be like four movies from now but well, i will it's soon but yeah, we also have the super long Italy montage where I I I know we we talked a little bit before starting recording, but I initially I was like, okay, this did something for Michael. It doesn't. But then I was like, but it kind of doesn't. It doesn't because so the whole bit with Italy is he has to leave the country for an extended period of time. He like falls in love with this girl, Apollonia. and gets married. Although neither of neither of them seem very happy at the wedding. But they seemed happy after at least. I don't know the little bit i don't know but anyway she ends up dying like she's killed basically like the mob finds him Mm -hmm. in sicily she is killed in a car bomb and once again we're fridging women to quote give the man a vendetta a vendetta and like character development but actually that entire italy sequence isn't necessary because the incident that like triggered michael and like brings him towards this life of crime isn't that and he never actually like actively is like i'm seeking revenge for my dead wife like the the triggering action is what happens to his father i no, i thought it was his brother because no that's why i wanted he's also he's he's also really mad that sunny dies which we need to backtrack and talk about but like the bit where he becomes part of the family he becomes the killer is in response to his father getting shot. I get what you're saying there. I th- I meant more the set of thing occurrences that bring him back to New York. But I didn't I didn't need to I didn't need to see him in Italy at all and honestly if he had just like come back I'd been like, "Okay. Like I'm like any, all of the stuff that happens in Italy was like you didn't need and was very boring." <laughs> Which is saying a lot cuz I love Italy. And eh. so that I was bored by that is saying yeah. something so i'm now remembering and i'm glad that i remembered now as you mentioned we need to circle back for sunny and that's the whole reason i bring up uh, their sister's storyline because sunny after that big knock down drag out fight that you mentioned sunny gets a call from his sister and that is what prompts him to actually leave and go to the ambush where he's gunned down 
Yeah, because he's like I he's trying to actually like he's like the one person who's trying to do a nice thing for another human right. being in this entire movie. Um not that Sonny's an angel. He is also violent and he cheats on his wife. Yeah. They're basically all assholes. But Sonny is the best of them. Sonny and Tom are the best of them, I think. I mean, I feel like Tom, if you are mentally able to do the acrobatics to set apart his mob dealings, like he's not the worst. Tom never actually actively takes part in the violence. I don't know. Did was he the one that He's cut the terrible. horse head off? I don't think. I doubt it. I don't, I don't think Tom gets his hands dirty. And I mean, I I, I don't he either. Won't, but he won't still. even give the letter. He won't even give the letter to Michael when Kay tries to bring the letter because he's like it would imply legally yeah, that I know where he is. So I don't. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think Tom would get his, his hands dirty. Anyway, that that gun down scene also pretty interesting to watch well shot james con kills it yeah well and he stopped at this toll booth and i love the the way that they kind of have the scenes at the end looking at all of the destruction in the toll booth and to his car and then with him on the side of the road with tom and i i forget who else was with tom seeing it and then getting the fuck out because sunny gets in the car to like go Mm -hmm. help connie and like Tom and a couple other people get in another car to like follow him out because they're because they don't know what happens. Right. They just know that like Sonny's running off somewhere and he seems really upset. Um, and then when Tony Sonny gets to the toll booth, the car in front of him stops like they're having car trouble. And then we just see those two guys turn around in the car with guns. And then we see just like I, like four to five guys pop up in each little toll yeah. booth with like Tommy guns, and then they just open fire. Gun down. I want to. I hope yeah. that the uh, toll person didn't die i was hoping to see them pop up again but i'm gonna assume that they just weren't there well no because the, he dropped the the coin and had to bend down to pick it up oh that's right which means that the whole person was hiding in a toll booth with like five I mean, guys with Tommy. let's be guns. honest here if i no no no, it was a different toll booth because it was oh this is a different toll yeah because it was like the I whole thought line. there was i thought both toll booths had people no just one because they only shot oh. one direction into the car well it was more epic in my head oh so. <laughs> it's fine anyway. it's totally fine um but yeah that that i feel like is the the thing coupled with michael's wife getting blown up in the car which again we didn't need that his brother dying should have been enough right all that happens Vito Corleone is definitely torn up. We get a kind of touching scene. I loved the scene, actually. Are you talking about the one in, in the morgue or the. With Tom and V. Oh, I was thinking about the one with Tom and Vito, but there oh, is the one in the morgue. Both too. of them, honestly. Like, I both of them those a lot. are good. Which one happens first? The Tom and Vito one, because then he calls about cashing in that favor. <laughs> yeah, Vito's still. Um... Not 100% recovered from being shot, which he miraculously lives through. But he comes and there's just Tom in like a dark room, like drinking some whiskey, Robert Duvall, killing it. Mm-hmm. And Vito comes in and he's like, you know, my wife is upstairs crying, which once again, we don't actually get to see any of the impact this is having on like the poor innocent women who have been dragged into the, all of this. Um, or give me like one woman who just like fucking loves it. <laughs> Who's like in it? Um, just something other than it just being like, oh look, here are these victims. We're not going to explore that at all. But anyway, 
I got off track. But Vito's like, you know, my wife's upstairs crying. I've seen people coming mm-hmm. in in the house, out of the house all day. What's going on? Because no one's told him about Sunny yet. This and- family doesn't tell anybody about anybody's problems or deaths or sh- getting shot. They're like, it's my business. No, you asshole. It's the whole fucking family's business because it impacts everybody, which I will have more to say on at the end of this movie. Anyway, Tom has to be the one to break it to Vito. And it is a very touching Mm -hmm. scene between the two of them uh, because Tom's whole story is that he was like this orphan who Vito took in. So he is, you know, to a large extent, part of the family. Mm -hmm. And then you move into Vito calling in the favor from the guy who works at the morgue, who he had helped out, you know, at the very beginning of the film. And bringing in Sonny and they unzip the bag and he's like, I don't want his mother to have to see him like this. Mm-hmm. Do your thing. And this is where Marlon Brando was middling at the beginning, but I think he killed it. <laughs> yeah, this this is where we start to see like the Brando we know and love. Because I agree, at the beginning I was like, I was like, why isn't Brando being Brando? <laughs> like what's going on but there was just a beautiful you you could see the subtlety and the pain in a way that Vito Corleone would express it and that is what I loved yes well and this is where we actually start to see Vito rethinking some things which great now that it's your son who violently died now you think that enough is enough now that it's affecting you and your loved ones personally now you think it's time to like call a truce or whatever like okay roll my eyes at that but i agree character wise i think it makes complete sense for him and this is where he wants to call the meeting Mm -hmm. for the five families and get the truce on the table and that scene honestly the the five meeting of the five families to hash all of this stuff out love brando's performance too long I thought the intro was too long. Like the actual line delivering part focusing on Brando and the other family member, like the other heads, was great. All of these scenes start a little too early for the most part, which is what I want. Like I don't need so much of the setup because then by the time we get to the meaty stuff, like I'm already distracted. Yeah, yeah. But And I'm, I'm saying this as someone who is fully capable of watching like four-hour movies and being engaged with them. This is not me being like, a millennial who can't get <laughs> off my phone. Oh boy. Yes. I mean, I I'm just def- defending myself here cuz I have a feeling a lot of people are going to disagree with that. Hey, and that's fine. I love I love to debate stuff like this. It's interesting. Well, I will I will say like I'm not the audience for this film and that's fine. Not every film needs to or should be made for me. Yeah. But I did have to watch it because that's the (laughs) the crux of this podcast. So now I will be giving my opinion on it. Now, that meeting scene, though, I did love the way that, like, the passion that Brando delivered his speech about loss. And, like, we've all lost people. Let's not keep losing people. It was the gist of it. Um, And I, I do like how even though they're taking the slide into heroin, they're like, trying to draw some moral boundary which i just oh there's the there's the one guy who's like yeah but not in schools (laughs) no kids and i'm like i just i mean i get i guess like it's good you're drawing a boundary somewhere but like yeah it creates this like oddly gentlemanly agreement-y thing that's just kind of 
totally fucked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, but you're you're like nitpicking something that is on the whole so terrible. And they're like specifically talking about like targeting black neighborhoods. Oh, this is and like, more yeah. of that like overt racist slurs. Yeah. yeah, it's like just in case you guys forgot, everyone in this movie is yeah. terrible. Well, and to be clear, like they say that against African-Americans, against Italians, against Jewish people. Like they, it's just like casual. They're racist against everybody, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's clear after this meeting that Michael is kind of the next in line. So he, he I, like I term it his internship basically because <laughs> yeah. Vito is still around, kind of still advising and Michael's going through. Sonny's and- dead, yes. who would, was the oldest brother and would have been the next up. Fredo, who like, honestly, we don't need the character of Fredo really because he's the middle brother and they like briefly introduce him at the wedding and then we like don't see him Middle siblings. Sorry. (laughs) Says two oldest siblings. (laughs) Like, but that's another character that I'm like, you kind of don't need or you could have rolled into another character because he doesn't really affect much of anything. His only purpose is to make sure that show we... how much of an asshole michael is but we already knew I mean, that but also the michael in a scene with k is like we're going to be legitimate and part of that is taking over a casino so like fredo is kind of a link to that casino but you didn't need fredo for that link so is what it is but which i think is an un- i think he's a little bit of an underutilized character because he's kind of like the family fuck up yeah and I think you could have used him in place of some other characters who also fuck things up. <laughs> like the weakest link, the mole. Um, and I mean, they even set him, ah, they set him up for it with the never take sides against the family ever again. Like that would have been so cool. Like he, like, frankly, he could have been the Carlo. Yeah, exactly. Like how much better is it if we get rid of Carlo and Connie or give Connie something to actually do. But then you have Fredo being like the snitch. Yeah. Like to me, that's more impactful and more poetic. I just think he's an underutilized character. I'm with you. But I guess this this whole section, the big the biggest thing takeaways for me is Michael is just as much of an asshole as we thought he was, but he's also business savvy and is going to make people offers he's they also, can't like, refuse. He's also gotten back together yeah, he's also gone back together with Kay, where I'm like, girl... Kay should have run. You in danger. The red flags were there at the wedding. The red flags were there the entire time you were dating. Disappearing he, The red for flags were there when he disappeared. Years? The red flags were there when literally no one would tell you where he was, and his fucking adopted brother slash family lawyer was like, legally, I can't accept this letter from you because then it implies that I know where he is. The red flags were there when he came back. At your workplace. At your workplace, which you didn't tell him <laughs> where that was. Years later, with like no information in the sketchiest attitude I've ever seen in my life. I just, there are red flags everywhere and Kay's just like, I'm colorblind. I'm sorry. Like, is that a green flag? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Kay, come on. You're better than this. I mean... I do want to talk about her look at the very end, but we'll get there. Um, so yeah, I do too. they're back together. 
the the last I guess scene is part he, of he's this. He's like he's like we need to get together and we need to have kids. And I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. But anyway, that's what he says when he comes back after having been gone for at least a year. Probably more, I think. No, he's been back a year, which means he's been gone longer. This is so it's multiple totally years. Totally normal behavior, obviously. I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, other than that, I, the the scene with Vito and his grandson, I think, is kind of the, that closes out this. I do too. It's a little too long. We'll trim trim that intro a bit, but. It gives some beautiful layers to Vito because we get to see him being like a loving kind of like funny mm-hmm. grandfather, which is really nice. And then it is it is like a pretty sad scene because he's like pretending to be a monster and his grandson's like chasing him through like the tall tomato mm-hmm. plants. And we like see him start coughing and he's like kind of clutching his heart. We know he's been ill because mm-hmm. it was mentioned earlier when uh, Michael told Tom he's no longer consigliere and Tom was like, excuse me, (laughs) (laughs) I've been around. You haven't, sir. Um, But Vito dies. Yeah, I was surprised I was as bummed out by that as I was. And I think it's really just because of how much happier and friendly and familial Vito seemed in the scene, which I feel... Because he's not constantly embroiled in like awful violence exactly so he like now gets a little bit of his humanity back because it's funny how like awful violence will just strip you of your humanity yeah what a concept anyway he's dead oh gosh and we get the funeral scene which i actually again could have had some editing like editing down parts and looks but like on the whole I loved the way that they they focused in on Michael watching people pay tribute with the the red roses on the casket and just kind of giving some side eye over to the other family heads talking together and laughing and smiling and in his mind, I presume scheming because he knows someone's going to act against him. There's a couple of things we need to address. First off, I definitely think that like the movie picks up in the back half. Mm-hmm. Like I think the back half of the movie is like a million times stronger than the front half. Once we get back from Italy, like I think it's I think it's much tighter mm-hmm. and much better movie. Um previously like before Vito died, he and Michael were having a conversation basically about who turned on Sunny, like all of the shit mm-hmm. that's been going on and Vito tells him like, you know, at some point, somebody's going to ask for a meeting with, I think it's it's Brazi, right? And he's like, whoever, like they know there's like a, a mole. And he's like, whoever's the one who offers to set up the meeting and comes to you at the meeting, that's the traitor. Yep. So that is clear. So at the funeral, who is the character who got, I can't Sal. remember all the character names because Sal, is it Sal? Yep. It's okay. So Sal, who has been like a trusted part of the organization, comes to Michael with well, the meeting. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he and the other guy that I cannot remember the name of are two like secondary families that have basically pledged fealty to the Corleones. Um Yeah, I think that's the case. Who had at one point had actually been asking if they could like break off and be their own family mm-hmm. and then Michael was like, wait until after we move to Vegas. But anyway, um conversation where you can see sal kind of whispering with some people and he brings the meeting to michael and michael's like okay yeah because sal's like i'll arrange it which like means that i can control security and everything like laying it on thick and michael's like yeah yeah okay and then we have the exchange with him and tom where he's like huh or tom's like i would have never thought sal like and michael's like it's always the smart ones 
Oh yeah. Um, which I then think it would have been an amazing twist if it was in fact Tom that had arranged everything because he's clearly the smartest one of the bunch. But I feel like he also has a sense of self-preservation and knowledge that as much as he is part of the family, he's not. Oh yeah. No, Tom would have had to literally kill everybody right. or unless, or else like Tom dies. Yeah. No, no, no. So, so it actually wasn't the smartest move, but it would have been a fun little twist. It would have twist. been fun. But this is, so that that whole set of dominoes is ready to go and tumble. But we get this, this is probably from a more like artistic-ish perspective, my favorite scene. So like, I love the hospital for the suspense and all the emotion it made me feel. But this- The hospital sequence and this sequence, I think oh, are the best two in the movie. Because we get- the baptism of um the christening the christening thank you connie and carlo's uh son Mm -hmm. michael's the godfather who who is played by teeny tiny little sophia coppola oh interesting i knew it was a little itty bitty baby like i was like that is a baby it's francis ford coppola's (laughs) daughter's future director sophia coppola yeah um, also, uh, Talia Shire is like his sister. Like it, there was a lot of like family involved in the making of the movie. That is oddly his appropriate. His dad did some work with the score. Yeah. Like very appropriate for a movie like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so we get the- But yeah, you have the christening mm-hmm. and then it's like cutting back and forth from like Michael at the christening with like the priest still talking to just these massacres happening of like these other important heads of family and like important players in the scene and you've got this like low moody organ music throughout the whole thing that's like vaguely hymn like but also like toccata in d minor dark it's in d right and i wrote i I literally hold on i wrote down (laughs) i wrote down the bit it was shortly before this that I was literally like where's Connie I want an update on Connie is she okay and then we like kind of cut to this scene and I was like okay so she's kind of okay um she hasn't left Carlo yet but there's one bit where the priest is like talking to Michael as like the godfather which this is like symbolically him like straight becoming the quote-unquote godfather where the priest says do you renounce Satan and all his works uh and Michael saying, I do. And as it's, you have the priest saying that and Michael responding, I do. You have it like cutting back and forth to like just this, these horrible massacres. And that was good movie making. It was beautiful, violent, violent, but like the movie making was amazing. The juxtaposition and like that, see, that's the like show don't tell that Mm -hmm. I'm like, we get it. The symbology. Yes. That is the other scene that you absolutely have to watch. Yeah, agreed. I love that scene. I think it's so well done. Agreed. Love it, love it, love it. And then we move into a part that's a little confusing. Uh, you're talking where they're moving out of the old family compound? With Carlo. Oh, yeah. That whole scene with Carlo where apparently he set up Sunny and it's come to light. But the part that confuses me, well, one, we didn't get a whole lot of hint of this, although like you got the feeling that Carlo probably had something to do with Sonny's death because he didn't like Sonny because Sonny beat him up for beating his sister. Um, but Michael says something where he goes, that farce you played with my sister, which I was like, wait, is he implying that like Connie was complicit in all of this? Like, is he basically just being like, oh, she wasn't really a victim of domestic abuse, even though she very clearly was? Like, is he saying that she was, uh, that he think, because I don't think for a second that Connie was part of it. 
is he saying that he thinks she was? I was like, that I don't get. Um, I interpreted that as him talking about Carlo cheating, getting up to no good, like setting, basically pulling the wool over Connie's eyes, not Connie being complicit. Okay. I like that a lot better because I was like very confused and not at all oh, happy. Like, here's the thing: we we mentioned the like very sexist views that this this family takes on women. There is n- absolutely zero way that Michael would have thought that Connie would have been in on anything. Like, also, can we just talk about how like he goes after Carlo because Carlo set up his brother, not because he has been like routinely abusing somebody, let alone Michael's sister, like. Like, Michael doesn't give a fuck about Connie, which becomes very, very apparent at the end. When Connie has a great line that I'm like, man, if only we'd, like, leaned more into this for the entire three hours that I've been here. And that is, at the very end, you have Michael in his father's study, and Connie comes in sobbing. Because Michael's had Carlo killed for all of his bullshit. Which, which, okay, Michael is like the most boring drama queen in the entire world because he's like, I'm not going to kill you. I wouldn't leave my sister a widow, which is something Sonny says earlier in the film. But with Sonny, we fucking believe it because mm-hmm. Sonny seems to actually care about Connie on some level. And instead, he's like, I'm sending you to Vegas. Gets Carlo in a car and then Carlo's garroted. Like I was like, you could like all of this pageantry for what? Yeah. Now, I did actually like the way that was shot with him kicking out the window and stuff. Yeah, but, like, also why? If they'd had the conversation in the car, it would make a lot more sense. But they didn't. They had it in a house and then went to the car and then did stuff after already being like, no, 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 I'm not going to kill you. Surprise! And I was like, (laughs) you just love your pageantry. We get it. Anyway, Connie comes in at the very end. She's very upset. And she says a line to Michael where she's like, Okay, you ha- like you had my husband killed. You didn't even think about like how this would affect me. Mm-hmm. Like what about me? And I'm like, "Oh, cool. At the very end, we finally get somebody being like, "Oh, what about all of the victims of your violence who got pulled into this? Like what about them?" And I'm like, "Great. We had to wait until the And very guess what end he calls her? This. That's hysterical twice, yeah, which made me fucking so mad because Connie they like get Connie out of there and Kay's like for the first time seemingly questioning but she also eats up his lie I know that he didn't do it like she's like did you did you actually do this and then he's like she's hysterical she's hysterical and I'm like okay cool yeah let's like sideline her grief and like legitimate anger at you killing her husband even though like I really wish she had like had the strength to leave him at some point would have been great let's yeah let's demean her that way meanwhile he's also refusing to answer Kay, and he yells at Kay multiple times don't ask me about my business and this infuriated me because it he's implying by that that it's none of Kay's business mm-hmm. it is a hundred percent Kay's business because everything he does everything he's been doing puts her in danger and puts her children in danger yes. so it is a hundred percent her business and him acting like it's not infuriated me. And then he's finally like, I'm going to be nice to you and I'm going to let you just this once ask me about my business. And she's like, okay, 
did you do it? Like, did you have Carlo killed? And then he's like, no. And then she believes him. And I'm like, hey, it's so obvious that this is a lie. You know what I would have loved? Is if he said yes, and she knew all along, it was like, okay, I'll be your mob wife. Oh, that would have been, been so much if she better. Was like, <laughs> yeah, if she was like, I wish you'd share this with me before because I'm in on it too. But instead, it is a beautiful shot at the end. And there is like the symmetry of him having become the person who he supposedly didn't want to become. Oh, framed Because she in the leaves doorway. the office to get them each a drink. Uh. Yeah. He's framed at the desk in the doorway. You have the people who had left the room come back in and they're like kissing his hand, which in a time of coronavirus, all I can think of is like, that is so unsanitary. You're all going to get COVID. It's like when the, when the priest, when the priest straight up coughed at the baby. Oh God. (laughs) I I was like, that is not sanitary, (laughs) sir. Where is your face mask? Um, But you have all the, the people kissing Michael's, hands and he is officially the new dawn and you have Kay framed in the doorway looking really sad and oddly surprised i didn't think it was surprise i think it was like disappointment and like full realization of what she's in well i'm gonna take the full realization as a little surprise because i'm like honey there were so many hints like so many all the flags so many all of the flags yeah, like like I'll forgive her the like early flags, but the later ones. <laughs> yep. Um anyway, somebody comes up and they close the door on her. And then the movie ends. Yep. So yeah, I I'm I'm really torn. It's fine. It's influential. There's nothing inherently bad except pacing, which is a relatively minor sin. It's not for it killed me. The pacing, the pacing really, really did kill me. I don't, I, I feel like some people, there is a segment of society that has a tendency to glorify this film. I don't think that necessarily the film itself was trying to glorify these characters. Like that's my interpretation. I um, I don't, you know, it, part of art is how people interact with it. And I don't, you know, sometimes I think you can blame the art. Sometimes I don't think you can. I felt like I was shown pretty clearly how, unpleasant and um uncaring these people were I, but the the pace the pace really really killed me and because of like the nature of the characters i didn't like the pace being so off combined with like not really having a character that i mm-hmm. could really get attached to just kind of killed it for me um but yeah this one, this one's just not for me. But like, I, I don't think it's bad. Like, it's fine. Yeah, I think it is a average to above average winner, which is probably controversial me saying that, <laughs> given that it's like number two on AFI's like top 100 movies. <laughs> I, but like, you know what? That's... Again, that's not uh, a comment on its Just because they're AFI. Also, just because they're AFI doesn't mean... Yeah, true. But I, I do want to hammer they're home... They're right for everybody. Like influence is a totally separate issue this is like me personally watching the movie agreed so agreed take that as yeah, you will yeah. one and i feel like that's something that we have to some extent take into account in past winners but like i just yeah this one's just it's fine well we have i think the sting next and then we have godfather part two which also won best picture which i've heard is the best one in the trilogy oh so i'm hopeful i I haven't seen that one because I didn't enjoy the first one mm-hmm. enough to ever seek out the second one. 
Patrick loves The Godfather. He's actually really disappointed that I didn't watch this with him. <laughs> um, yeah, I know but I, I did watch The Godfather 2 with him, and I think I remember liking it a lot more. I've heard I've heard it's the best one in the trilogy, so I'm optimistic about that. It did go up against Chinatown, though, which I really mm. love. Well, we'll see. So do we want to do lists? Let's talk lists. Cool. So Godfather for me, kind of like I said, middle of the pack. I'm putting it at number 23, so it's like very solidly middle of the pack. That's like um, basically the exact middle. Yes, it is. <laughs> Probably will be after this next film. We'll see. Um, but that puts it before Hamlet and after Best Years of Our Lives. So with Best Years of Our Lives, I really think that that was able to deal with the multiple character storylines and keep us engaged and work with that really well. Also in a longer runtime movie that didn't feel plotting. It feels it. Yeah. Best years of our life is a longer runtime, but it didn't feel as long. Right. Well, and it dealt with kind of the, the multiple characters, I think a lot better than this yeah. one did. Agreed. Um, and a, a large cast is very hard to deal with. It's agreed. Yeah, I think I think it's it's very difficult to deal with it super effectively. Mm-hmm. And then putting it in front of Hamlet, I, I I kind of the mood of the cinematography for me is kind of similar with those two films. Really, I, like to to a point, kind of like that dark, moody interior. I car. feel like Hamlet's cinematography is far superior i agree that it's i have godfather above hamlet but i think but it's not if it was purely cinematography Mm -hmm. based i'd have hamlet for above godfather i still i don't know i liked it more (laughs) i mean i think the performances on a whole two were less i mean i uh, laurence olivier and hamlet they're two different they're two very different styles of acting i still can't with him in Hamlet. I can't either. I think he was go listen to the episode again. He, we both think he was horribly miscast. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to is that like there's something there's something about the the more modern take on this that I just found more appealing. Modern cool. take on the cinematography, um, I mean. Yeah. Uh oh, modern take on okay. Well, and the performances were better. Cinema, I'm going to I'm going to I agree performances are better. I'm gonna heartily disagree with the cinematography <laughs> critique um so for me godfather is my new number 28 so farther down the list from you um i'm putting it behind the french connection because the french connection i feel like had similar character issues and that i did not really like mm-hmm. any of the characters and i thought they were all terrible people but the french connection was I think far superior technically. They both have great scores, mm-hmm. but French Connection, I liked the cinematography more. I thought the pacing was a lot better. Um, and I the uh, cinematography is better and like kept me engaged in a way that like despite having weaker, like weak characters um, and probably on the whole weaker characters, French Connection just kept me engaged in a way that Godfather didn't because the pace was tight and because like technically it was so good. Yeah. Um, I'm putting it above Midnight Cowboy though because I just think it was better than Midnight Cowboy. I'm on board. Just kind of all around better than Midnight Cowboy. Yeah. And and in case people were wondering, it is also a couple of places above Hamlet, but I still think the cinematography <laughs> of Hamlet was better. But on the whole, I yeah. just have I yeah on the whole, uh, Hamlet was more had more problems. No, that's fair. But yeah, so that that's Godfather. Would love to hear from some folks that really love it on why they really love it 
I know Patrick loves it because he likes that kind of like scheming, seeing the scheming that the mobsters do. Patrick likes it because it's a male power fantasy, which is fine. <laughs> like, it's totally fine to like it because of that, as long as you fully understand that it's fiction and that you should not actually want to be like these characters and you shouldn't actually treat people the way that these characters treat people, which Patrick 100% doesn't do because he's a nice, kind, loving person. <laughs> so that's completely fine. But yeah, we're genuinely curious. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm very. I also wonder if that for some people there is a nostalgia factor to it. If it's like a, their dad really loved this film, so they, like they watched it as a kid, and it was kind of like their introduction into maybe classic film or older films or something. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do know that there are some films that like are not other people's favorites that are older films that I really love because like it was an early classic film for me and it was my introduction into like um great cinema or Mm -hmm. something so i feel like there could be a nostalgia factor for some people where like maybe they tie it to like a relative or something um that was not the case my dad is also not a huge godfather fan so it was not one we watched in our our house at a young young age in fact i like sought it out to watch it because i was like oh it's always i always hear that it's like one of the best movie like american movies of all time Uh uh-huh so I like sought it out to watch it and then I watched it and I was like, okay, so not for me. <laughs> eh, that's fine. That's totally okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to watch the sequel. But we have one more film before that. So join us next time when we do The Sting. Um, until then, you can find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can also email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you about The Godfather, about any of the other films we've done, or about just like any films in general. Yeah. I mean, our library, I think we've done 50, including special episodes at least now. So, yeah. Yeah. We've done quite a few. And if you have any suggestions about stuff you'd like to see us cover for special episodes, we are always open to suggestions for those. Um and also rate, subscribe, review, especially rate and review. That helps us out. Awesome. Thanks for listening. And as we said, join us next time for The Sting. We didn't make a single, we'll make you an offer that you can't refuse joke. <laughs> <laughs> eh, that's fine. <laughs>